0: It's like, yeah, we got to do this network update for you to be able to do, to play online and check out the online content. You can't say, here's the thing. You cannot save the game unless you log into PlayStation Network. Wow. That's, let me say that again. You cannot save the game unless you log <laughs> into, because that wasn't clear the first time, right? WTF, right? WTF, right? Welcome to podcast. This is episode seven. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello! And, Great uh, to be back
1: on SpotCast.
0: Jaime's off in some undisclosed location, as he likes to say, so he's not going to be with us tonight. So Jonathan gets to be Jaime Lopez Jr. today. Woo! Nobody could be Jaime Lopez Jr., but Jaime no, Lopez. no. Greg tries. Greg tries, but Greg doesn't quite come. Well, Greg, Greg, Greg here in his in his own right. Actually, I, I should say, right. So yeah. you listen through to the other show,
1: right? Through the power of podcasting, I'll say that I am wearing my Jaime Lopez Memorial wig right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like you know I had to put you. You guys can just picture it in your minds, but uh, yeah, no, it looks really good. Yeah. split up in the front, it looks fantastic. I can just imagine you with the hair product in your non-existent hair. My non-existent hair. Yeah, that's you know, it just makes everything really smooth. I don't know. I get not annoy you about that. but That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Good.
0: Okay. Well, so, yeah. So, Jonathan, why don't we do some uh, fact-checking on episode four of SpotCast?
1: Checking. Here we go. So, we'll dive into episode four. Uh, 2.10 in. So, this is a correction of a correction, which are my favorite kind of corrections. Uh, the five original Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, Planet of the Apes, 1968. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, 1970. Escape from the Planet of the Apes, 1971. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes 72, not that they were churning these things out at all, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Tim, if that was the only one that you were a little fudged on, you said Battle of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the uh. Apes. So close
0: I know so, so close. close well, yeah. and so the TV show that you talked about was actually based on because in that in that by that time the humans had sort of you know started to learn to talk and stuff like that, which made no sense since they weren't talking before in the first movie, yeah, but uh, I, I don't know, maybe the progeny of the astronauts that were left that landed there or something I don't know, but um, so by the time the TV show spun off it was it was the the battle for the planets of the apes universe or, or world that they that they belong to like you know the the horse drawn carriages with the the apes you know and the gorillas and being militant and the, and the people there was a guy with blonde it was a kind of like star and Hutch. it was a blonde haired guy and a, a dark haired guy and some other people now that i think about it it was about four or five people that kind of were like the they were sort of the rebellion you know yeah against the evil gorilla type people you know hard, hard to believe it only lasted 14 episodes i know it was like phenomenal like <laughs> you know it's funny though because when when planet of the apes came out like in well 16 I would have been eight years old, but I didn't hear about it until maybe I was like 10 or 11 or maybe older than maybe 11 or 12. So I went back and watched it. And, um, so, I mean, I didn't see any of those ones when they, when they first came out, like the uh, Conquest for Planets. I, I might remember the commercials for them, but I don't remember. I never saw, I never saw any of these in the theater. But, um, but I do remember. So by the time the TV show came out, came on, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this now to sort of catch up with my friends, which, you know, you do, right? Yep. Anyway, I,
1: right. I will say that, uh, the The impressive run to go from 68 to 73 with five films now you could argue the production value but these guys you know i I like to think that maybe james cameron could learn a little something from these guys we're we're now into what nine years after avatar he's still working on the four sequels that are to come on that these guys are banging out planet of the apes movies it's it's at an impressive pace now they they were not good arguably but you know they were hang on hang on i
0: think the first planet of the apes is a phenomenal movie first
1: movie is a phenomenal movie the second one has i think a 30-minute stretch where there's no dialogue in it at all. Really? The, which one? The second one? The second one. Where he's oh. just riding through the landscape. There's silence. He's with a mute. This is James Frank, his Franciscus, the blind uh, detective. Yes. Longstreet, yeah. I think his name was, or something like yeah. that. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. That, uh, those movies, I mean, they're classics, and they're excellent, you know. Well, the uh, book is... the, the Silly I think Yeah, the Falcon.
0: book by Pierre Boulez is really, really good. If people, I are, love that
1: book. I have a yeah. copy. Yeah, yeah I think I do too. Yeah. yeah, it's great. All right. So we'll continue our fact check. Uh, episode four, nine minutes in. The newest CW TV show based on superheroes from the DC Universe is called DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I think one yeah. of you might have Harvey, played Jaime missed tomorrow, it. yes. I'm throwing him under the bus, yeah. Uh, and, and it's a shame Jaime's not here for uh, 10 minutes, 12 seconds. Toronto's Lexa Doig played Sonia Valentine on the TV show Continuum. Mm-hmm. I know he's, uh, he's carrying a torch for Toronto's own. Uh, 1050, Rachel Nichols played Kira Cameron, the lead character on Continuum. Uh, she's not Canadian. She's from Maine. I think there was some discussion as to whether she, uh, like uh, so many people we call out here are uh, Canadians but uh, hmm. American. Uh, she also played uh, Gaia, the cadet from Orion in the 2009 J.J. Abrams film Star Trek.
0: Did we at least get the, the planet right for the green ladies? You like got we...
1: Orion right, absolutely. Uh, okay, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I,
0: I don't remember talking about her being Canadian but I do remember her as the... As the I, I
1: think it was just a running joke at that point because you and I have both oh. been, uh, call it out Canadian as they go. And uh, I think Jaime uh, is getting worn down by our, our Canadians in that. Right. Uh, 3345, the Shenzhou is the name of the program that put the first Chinese citizen, uh, a man named Yang Liwei, in space. In uh, That was on October 15, 2003. And that's, the, of course, the name of the ship from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, the name translates to English as Divine Boat or Divine Vessel, which is kind of neat. Cool.
0: So that's so, actually like the first, uh, the name of the first, like, uh, oh, the space program was called. A finzu, like a pop. The,
1: the, the name of the program, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Uh, Thirty-eight thirty, the Duras sisters, who appeared on Duras. Star Trek: The Next Generation, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and the film Star Trek Generations, are both played by Canadian. Lursa was played by Barbara March, is from Toronto, and Betor was played by Gwyneth March. Uh, Gwyneth Walsh, forgive me, uh, was born in Winnipeg and raised in Vancouver. So there you go, Ooh. two more Canadian contributions to science fiction. Yep. Forty-four uh, twelve, James Frain who plays Sarek on uh, Star Trek Discovery, also plays Theo Gallivan, uh, aka Azrael, on Gotham, and he played Ferdinand Chevalier on Orphan Black. So what's uh,
0: Azrael? Is that Azrael is the name of the character in the comic book or something? Or Yes.
1: Like, awesome? yes yeah. From Arkham or whatever, that Arkham universe? Yeah, from the whole Batverse bat in uh, DC Comics. Yep, he's a right. character that's been around for, for a fair while. Yep. Uh, 4917, the Klingon ships that surround the Shinju at the end of uh, Episode 1. One of Star Trek Discovery are birds of prey, not warbirds. Hmm. Warbirds are Romulan ships. That's those big green, giant, monster sized ones they have from right, uh, right. Star Trek TNG. Those are warbirds. Uh, one hour, 20 seconds. Jason Isaacs played Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter films, not Lucas Malfoy. Lucius. Lucius.
0: Uh, whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just picking nits. Didn't like uh, the guy. What? Yeah, well, you know, he tried to murder children and uh, beat his house elves. And he so denied it's... elves their clothing. I know, I know. Well, he got his come up, and so it all worked out. Uh, one hour, 30. The showrunners of Star Trek Discovery are Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg. You yeah. were uh, saying you heard an interview, I think, with Aaron Harberts.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, actually, they've been both on. There's a show called After Trek that's on at yeah. midnight here in Canada. I think it's live in in uh, the part of the world where Jaime lives in the West Coast, Left Coast. I think yeah. it's live there. And um, yeah, it's host, hosted by the Nerdist, which is um, oh, Matt something, uh, whatever. Anyway, it's they've been on
1: the that's, show. That's Hardwick, right? That's Chris Hardwick.
0: No, 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 no. It's a different dude. Um, but That's does Nerdist is Chris Hardwick's podcast he, or something? Yeah, yes, that's where he's had
1: his podcast for a long time.
0: Yeah, no, the guy, the guy's handle on, I'll look it up. The guy's handle on is on Twitter is um, the Nerdist, I believe. Anyway, I'll look it up while you continue. All right.
1: And uh, so our final correction from episode four: uh, one hour, twelve minutes, and one second. Star Trek: Discovery is broadcast in the U.S. exclusively on CBS All Access, in Canada by Bell Media on Space Channel, and in one hundred and eight, uh, one hundred and eighty-eight other countries on Netflix. Um, the business is the budget for the show is reportedly about eight to eight and a half million US per episode. And Netflix is apparently picking up a significant portion of those costs uh, because they got the exclusive rights to broadcast it everywhere that is not the upper half of North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one uh, addendum, uh, one extra bonus correction from uh, last week's episode uh, we, we confused our Denise. We should mention that. Uh, mm-hmm. We had mentioned in our review of our spoiler free review of uh, Blade Runner 2049 that uh, the Film was made by a Canadian named Denny. It was Denny Villeneuve, of course, not Denny who who is another Canadian who is uh, Oscar-nominated and outstanding director. Uh, films like uh, *Barbarian Invasions*, truly uh, another great Canadian talent, but not the one who was behind Late
0: Runner*. Cool. And the real-time follow-up on um, the Nerdist is the name of the person Matt Mira is the host oh, yeah, of yeah. after Dark, yeah, and, or after Trek, I should say, and yeah. um, he is. Um, I think he must be a co-host or something like that on on the Nerdist with. Chris Hardwick, yep. yeah, um, which may explain why he got the gig. But I, I, I think we should probably do some fact check on this. But I think that um, Space Channel in, in Canada, right, was the first one to sort of come up with one of these after-show shows, right? And I'm trying to think of what what show it was, but um, you know, they had the sort of, sort of the recap or the the fandom show, and then and then of course, then you know, Talking Dead came on for The Walking Dead, and After yep. Black came on for Orphan Black. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they started. Um, I'm just trying to think because I remember hearing them talk about that on either on a podcast or was it Battlestar it Galactica maybe did it what was that what was that one afterwards I called tried
1: to remember you know I just I have a vague recollection again I uh, you, you were the early adopter on Battlestar Galactica I think I was oh, really? uh, I think <laughs> I had a brand new child at that point when it first came out and I think I was oh. a little behind and you uh, you very strongly advocated for make the time for it and I'm glad I did because it's, it's uh, yeah it's really an amazing television show but uh, I don't remember specifically what the after show was yeah, I mean,
0: uh, Battlestar Galactica was so much better, like so much better than the original. Like, like, and and you got to remember too, like in the seven, I would tell people, like, I think I told you this before. Why do why did we watch the shows we watched? It's because there was nothing else on, right? And uh, we didn't have like twenty seven million channels to choose from. We had like you know thirteen if we were lucky. In most cases, but yeah, I I, I remember Battlestar Galactica was it was pretty bad. It, like you know, and it sort of came on the heels of the movie. I never did see the movie, and and when I did see the movie, I'm glad I didn't see it because it was horrible. But uh, yeah, uh, the whole... disco era sci-fi. Well, yeah, and but but mind you, it fits into the whole thing. Was that one with Aaron Linda Gray or Aaron Gray? Buck Aaron Gray. Rogers. Buck Rogers. That was another um, one that sort of spun yeah. around the same time. Gil and...
1: Gerard with his shirt unbuttoned down to his belly button. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, these...
1: Harry trusts could still work in uh, television.
0: Yeah, I mean, and sort of that's sort of where the the Battle for the Planet of the or the Planet of the Apes TV show. Yeah. You know that one, Buck yeah. Rogers. There was not. Oh, you know, I'm surprised they didn't make Logan's run into a TV show. They. Might I might have actually you know, think about it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was just like Logan's Run is a perfect example. I thought I every time I watched Logan's Run, it's a, a great story and stuff like that, but I always think it's filmed in a shopping mall somewhere. I wonder <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> sure enough, hang on. Nineteen seventy seven American television series spin off from the nineteen seventy six film. The series starred Gregory Harrison as title character Logan Five. Oh see, I knew it. I yes.
0: Oh wow. You're oh, absolutely boy. right. And the now you get my you
1: get to be the you get to be the uh, the, the arbiter here. How many episodes do you think that show lasted before it got canceled? Logan's Run? Logan's Logan's Run, the TV show. 1970s. I'm going
0: to risk it and say 13. Oh, so close. It was 14 episodes. Wow. wow. 14
1: episodes, one season. That was the entire extent. It of- actually made a whole
0: season out of that.
1: Well, I mean, it lasted until February, so we'll say in an era where they were making like 24 episodes a year, it probably yeah, got yeah, canceled early, but uh, yeah. yeah.
0: that's, that's yeah, a- TV shows used to come out like bang on like the first week of September. Like that was like now, ever since the writer strike, it's been like, you know, sometime in October, you know? Yeah. Cause I think the writer strike was like in September that really sort of, and, and you know, the writer strike two things, the OJ trial and the writer's strike is why we have reality TV now.
1: Oh, I know. I
0: know. Other show. Okay. Let's carry on. Let's do, let's do this podcast thing. So yeah, I do have some corrections for myself from last week. Let me scroll to the top of the notes here. Uh, yeah. So I had said, quant, uh, I don't know what I said about it. Quantum mechanics is the name of the company that makes the badges. For the fans of Star Trek Discovery, and also okay. like you know the 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 comm badges, and and they also make hat pins that are or lapel pins that are smaller. Um, I bought a couple when I first saw them, but and there's other companies that make other official pins, but these guys make the comm badges. So nice. go yeah, um, yeah, okay. And then so we had some follow up. I just some follow up notes here. I was just and I got some of these from the um, probably from the the um, after after Trek um, sort of trivia stuff that they put up there, but. So we talked about um, the prime directive on one of our previous shows and, and sort of when that came into being, because we talked about why um, uh, what's her name? Um, Captain of the first ship, Georgia, Philippa Giorgio. Philippa Giorgio, Yeah. Captain of the first ship, Philippa Giorgio said, uh, the, it, she kind of says we don't do that at Star Trek. She never really sort of came out and said, we don't we, you know, it's against the prime directive or whatever, which is what we hear in, in the original series and any other show after that. But they did have general order one at this point in time that no starship may interfere in the normal development of any alien life or society. And that's where, that's where she sort of, that sort of um, uh, guiding principle came from it at this point in time in in Star Trek Dumb. Oh, wait, I have some follow-up too from a fan that I want to talk about too.
1: Just out of uh, curiosity, uh, does General Order 1 say you're allowed to stab Klingons with batlets? Uh Probably.
0: Well, that was tough. Was that, so we, yeah, let's back up here because
1: that's true because you're
0: talking about how everybody blames the mutinist uh, um, what's our Michael. Michael. Yeah. The, the is it Mutinist? They call it mutineer. 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 They, um, they blame her for starting this war, and so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. What isn't she being attacked by the Klingon when he recognized her, and she recognized him
1: when she landed? Oh yeah, he, he charges at her. So yeah,
0: yeah. So she she basically, but he killed, he killed himself on his own Bat'leth, right? Or she helped him?
1: Yeah, I think it was a struggle, and he ended up with a Bat'leth run through him, and yeah,
0: yeah. So she gets the blame, and anyway, we'll come we'll come back to that because that, that's actually sort of where the where the point of what I'm wanting to talk about. I was chatting with a fan the other day. The other thing is that um, Majel Barrett's character uh, was another... We talked about women on, on the bridge and stuff like that, and um, or women in, in command. And of course, Majel Barrett was the first uh, second in command uh, and was referred to as number one. And did you know that that character has no name? Well, that's um, very of its era, I would say. Yeah, pretty cool, eh? Yeah. and um, It was the, meant to
1: be a mystery. They were going to continue that?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, uh, cause I, there actually were two pilots with Captain with uh, James Shatner, James Shatner, two pilots with William Shatner. Um, you mean Montreal's billion from William Shatner? Yes, that's right. From Canada, Montreal, Canada. <laughs> um, he, uh, cause there was, there's, and it's funny cause like the, I was watching some of the original series and uh, on, in the high res versions that are on Netflix now. And, and the uniform, as you know, because your mother, my partner is big time into costume making. We always pay attention to it. At least I always pay attention to it. And, um, um, and, and the detail right now that, now that we're in there in high res, you can sort of see the detail of how they were made. And, um, they were sort of very, very like, they looked like they were sort of thrown together in the first yeah. couple of episodes, you know? So yeah. a bit more work went
1: into the pilots than I think in, in the original series or the original first one, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I will give credit to uh, discovery. The production value is excellent. Definitely put some money into those costumes.
0: Yeah. And, and I can't remember the name of the guy who, um, uh, did the costumes for, um, the original series. He, uh, I heard an interview with him once or heard a story about him once. So he basically had a shoestring budget, right? So that's why it looks like somebody ran down to the local, uh, um, fabric land and just grabbed a couple of scraps of fabrics and, you know, glued them onto the women. And you know, that, that was kind of how they made their costumes back then. But yeah, it was cause he had like no budget. And in fact, I had had her also heard that the original, um, uniforms, they were actually done in sweatshops over, like they had to be done like overnight kind of thing and they couldn't get them done fast enough. So they just had a bunch of poorly paid people overnight kind of sp- Whip these things up, right? So, yeah. The gentleman's mm.
1: name was William
0: Ware Thies, the Thies. Uh, original costume designer. Yeah, original cool. costume designer. Yeah. Oh, and we talked about the time that we Hyman and I were joking about the J.J. Abrams timeline. That actually is the Kelvin timeline. I don't know what the name of the of the current one we're in now. Or they, if, I think
1: it's been called Prime. I think they call it Prime. Prime. Okay. Right. Right. So <laughs> this would be set in the same universe that the original series was, and the uh, the next generation, all the rest of those shows. This is the and, Prime. and, and Enterprise and all that kind of stuff. And
0: yeah. So. Yeah okay, so so I guess the the one where Spock comes through the wormhole, spoilers for people who haven't seen the first Star Trek re- re- reboot. From 2009. Yeah, it comes come, yeah, come on. It's like, come yeah. on, it's been... Like,
1: Statute of limitations, we're going to spoil
0: eight it. Eight years, okay? Yeah. <laughs> the, when he comes through and messes up the timeline, that, kinda, that sort of created this Calvin timeline, I guess, and, and yeah. justifies, you know, uh, Zachary Quinto
1: and well, on the, spine And Once again, spoiler alert, they destroyed Vulcan, which completely screwed up the timeline of all right. the other shows that were have come and i guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so clearly its own bubble universe that way they're also not beholden to what comes next they can just write whatever they want yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um yeah let me let me get into this so i was talking to to a uh, fan here um let me see here well i was talking to her about she sort of was saying that she boycotts twitter because of the whole the rules mcgowan thing right which i didn't know what that was the thing until she told me yeah. um and she said that she was uh she was boycotting twitter and i and i sort of said well you know jonathan would say how's that work out for you. (laughs) um, Let's see here. Uh, She was saying something about the... Oh, she was complaining about the fact that we mentioned that they were wearing uh, mini skirts in the first series. And I guess we were being a little cavalier about that, right? Um, Yeah, I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you guys for referencing the short skirts in your podcast, by the way. What does it matter what anyone wears anyway, right? So that's a good point, you know? Um,
1: I think we're we're mentioning the fact that uh, the the original series is supposed to be set 10 years in in the future from this one where the uniforms are uniform. That's why they're called uniforms. Everybody wears the same uniform, whether it's a male or a female. Right, and right. then we go 10 years in the future and women are wearing the short skirts and the males are wearing, you know, full or long pants and everything else. And they tried to go back to that on uh, uh, Next Generation, the first couple episodes, they had men wearing the skirt style uniforms just to say, hey, look, they, that's a whole fashion thing. But uh, it just couldn't get away from the, the fact that, you know, it was men to be something that was, you know, of fashion in the 1960s. So that's what they were putting those uh, women in. So
0: that's true. It's
1: true. Um,
0: And yeah. Um, And and it was the time it was the sixties and that was, there was, there was a lot of, you know, segregation. There was a lot of people were smoking constantly and, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's like, it was a completely different era than, than, I mean, Star Trek stood out like a sore thumb because it was so clean and nice. And, you know, people were generally pleasant with each other, you, you know, even though from the time it was pretty, a pretty pedestrian, right? Yeah. In that sense. But, um, so it's, it's all well and good to look back at 2020 hindsight and all that kind of stuff and be critical of it. But, uh, it's funny. So, so, and, and let's give the spoiler warning now, because I'm going to talk about something that was in, in last week's show. And that was that, um, we talked about, you raised the, the issue about race and about, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Sexuality. diversity I guess, diversity, yep. uh, inclusion, let's call yes. it, mm-hmm. um, about the fact that two of the main characters who were introduced were a visible Minorities and female and were killed off within like you know I don't even think they made it through the the, the episode they were introduced in right
1: yeah, four four episodes they got rid of two uh, women of uh, yeah visible minorities and right
0: and and they've established that the captain or Captain Ceru takes over for the missing captain what's his name again Lorca captain for the missing captain Lorca and he uh, so he becomes the captain of the ship right and and as soon as Michael Burnham who is again another visible minority, um, puts up a fuss or kicks up a fuss about the treatment of the tardigrade. He sends her to her room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, you know? that's also not, not a great moment for uh, progressive Star Trek. I know. So, so like, here it is like here, here's so, so that's the elephant in the room. And that's what she sort of said. Let me see what she said. She said, I think they were messing with last night's show it was equally misogynistic. Yeah. Sending Michael with a man's name to her room to sulk while the boys figure out how to defy Saru's order. Saru's order. It's classic treatment. Treatment of women, and might have to boycott Discovery soon if they don't fix this friggin attitude, quote unquote. Um, yeah, I mean that that's kind of interesting. Like, you know, that's a very valid point. Like, what do we were seven episodes in? How no, six episodes in? Right, and they've already like insulted women, <laughs> insulted miserable minorities. Like, like their track record isn't very good so far. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I got to say, um, you know, there there are a few things you could quibble with over the tone uh, overall as far. As whether it's sort of keeping in in theme with where we've been in Star Trek shows in the past, um, but you know, again, I was certainly uh, you know, I, I I took note when I first saw that they had introduced the security officer and she was a, a an Indian woman. I thought that's great, and it was somebody I recognized from obviously she was she was on Battlestar Galactica. I was like, oh, I like her, and uh, you know, to have her killed off, I I, I got to be honest, I wasn't surprised when they killed off Michelle Yeoh's character because she is a legitimate uh you know uh, film star and you know having her be on the show for a long term, especially when, you know, it was a fast moving plot um, to have her character die in the second episode wasn't a huge shock. Uh, but I thought that the, you know, it, it kind of struck me that maybe they were trying to do what uh, Joss Whedon did so well with Serenity and, and spoiler warning for anybody who hasn't seen Serenity. Uh, I know that uh, you know, like me, you're a big fan yeah, of Tammy hasn't now.
0: seen Serenity yet. She's only watched Firefly, but, so, this,
1: but... so Serenity, uh, you know, Joss Whedon, uh, he, he kills off one character, and it's the obvious character. It's the character you expect to die. It's it's the one where you sort of say to yourself, well, you know, okay, for all things, you know, it's it's hard to take, but it's also an extraneous character for all things being equal. Uh, but then he also kills off another major character in a very unexpected twist, and it sets up this brilliant scene where our heroes are overwhelmed, the bad guys are at the gates, everybody gets hurt in some capacity, it looks like some of them might be fatal, and you, honestly find yourself sitting there thinking you know is this gonna go Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or all these kids uh, all these characters gonna get wiped out and I don't know that it's in, in the case of Discovery maybe they were gonna you know uh, kill off a character in the fourth episode just to say hey this is not your regular Trek you know stuff happens on a starship people die this is real we're really grounding this this is the reality of life during wartime and life in space and sacrifice but man just you know Think a little bit about who you're killing off and when you're killing them off. I mean, that's just bad optics. Oh
0: yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, because I kind of envisioned, like, you know, it, it, they've, they've got they've got the start Sarah character coming and appearing to to Michael Burnham in her head for all intents and purposes, because you know, I guess his shocker has been transferred to her at some point. I think she he did a mind meld on her at one point, but um, spoiler again, but uh, <laughs> he uh, like I, I, when I when I heard that Michelle Yeoh was on this show, and and you know, I think in the even in the trailers leading up to the thing, she sort of said, "I th- I think it's time for you to go and have a command of your own," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I envisioned that that she would go off to this other ship with look with Captain Lorca, and and you know, occasionally Michelle Yeoh would come, you know, every like you know six months or whatever, and just yeah, you know, that's, that's legit. Moment, I would have right? seen it, right,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Like she could go out. She didn't have to get killed off. She could just go off with her own ship and or get assigned to a new ship or become an admiral like like Janeway, right? Yep. You know, and just sort of beam in every now and then when she wants to, when we want to go, oh, look, it's Janeway. But, um, you know, uh, that's kind of what I th- sort of thought they were setting up. And, but to, to have her like, you know, just done and, you know, again, like it sort setup. of
1: implies, it's it's almost like about money, right? <laughs> really, like yeah. the salary, yeah. right? I mean, I, you know, maybe I view things through a, a bit of a jaded prism. And, you, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we're very close and you know, my affection for uh, Hollywood tropes. There are certain things you can predict just by, you know, understanding how, how hollywood works and how things you know end up you know shaken out because of uh things like budgets and 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 some of those concerns uh you know sometimes the writing's on the wall but at the same time you know i i think her character didn't die without purpose her character died in a you know valiant way trying to do the right thing uh you know her death sets up this you know redemption arc for michael burnham in a very nice way like i i honestly didn't i mean I, I think it would have been very good for Star Trek to have had uh, you know, this person be an emblematic figure in this universe for a long period of time. Uh hopefully they will have more representation from characters of minorities and women uh going forward. Hopefully this is not the last Asian captain we see of, of a starship going forward. Um second.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well sec- well, yeah, of course. Carlosulu. Um, you know, hopefully we'll see more of this, but you know, I don't feel like her characters are was as um just wasteful as i think we saw last week in in losing our chief of security in in you know what was just arguably one of the you know silliest you know sudden deaths in a star trek episode you know which guy uh, was wasteful it was the 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 chief of security and i'm, I'm young yeah, oh oh Rika Sharma Yeah Rika Sharma yes absolutely so again just it just it's that one just left a bad taste she died for essentially no reason doing something that was dumb and you know Again just bad optics coming two episodes after what they had done previously, and I understand why people were upset losing that character right off the hop, but two just again it just it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth and
0: and she was such a central character in Battlestar Galactica like you know she was all the way all the way through the yep. whole series right like and, and even had like a sort of a, one of the twisty plot points near the end of Battlestar that uh, that you know she played a role in that too but I, I do think it's really interesting that they they've you know like the Redemption arc as you call it where they've they've taken They've ra- risen up our opinion of Michael Burnham, you know, as being the number one in this ship, and you know, the one that goes off and does the exploration with the sort of the Spock moment with the getting in the, you know, the personal craft and going off and checking out Vichur or whatever. whatever. Yeah, that,
1: that was a real nice little uh, throwback for the yeah. five people that liked that movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: but but then the but then the uh, uh, but then to, to knock her down so low, like to, like she's like be, she's below a cadet, right? Like yep. you can't get any lower. On a, on a on an enterprise, right? So yeah. yeah, so that was, but so so now she's got this sort of under. She's like the underdog. She's like represents all of us trying to climb up, you know, our through our lives and and get to a point of of uh, of high power, right, or or status, if you will, right? Because I mean, being the second in command of a Starship is gives you a lot of status, right? So yep. uh, in that kind of universe, but anyway. All right, let's move on. So we we're talking about um, Discovery, or should we talk about? Let's let's do one one last. Let's do the the, the continues as a pick, I guess right? Um am just going to move that down here. All right. So what am I saying? Yeah. So we're talking about uh, discovery, choose your pain, which is the episode number five. What are we at? Five? Yes. five. Must be five. five. Choose five. your pain. And of course we find out pretty quickly what choose your pain was, but I just a couple of points here made it, made a uh, observations that one, one was that we need more tard- tardigrades because we've now discovered that tard- tardigrades are the secret to this, uh, to this thing. And I think the Admiral tells him, uh, tells Captain Lorca that we need, more tardigrades which is uh, kind of funny especially when you consider how the episode ends right but uh, you know he's sort of the my ship my way kind of thing and um, whatever but the story point here is, is he gets stolen away into Klingon territory and uh, meets up with um, Harcourt Fenton Mud,
1: very, he, mud. Back
0: in, very Mud back in the Star yeah. Trek universe yeah and of course he, he drops his eye pen when he gets taken away so of course they, they, the Klingons can then take advantage of him with, uh, by using a light um, but at, at, there was one point, I can't remember where it was, but they, there's a, a list of captains of, of note. Where was that? I can't remember.
1: So was at one was... point, uh, Saru goes to Saru, the computer yeah. and he's trying to have uh, uh, the computer... Siri, list let's off, call her
0: Siri. Yeah,
1: yeah have, have the computer uh, make a list of the captains that are the considered the best in Starfleet and so he can emulate their behavior patterns so that he can be a better captain while he's acting in place of Lorca. And of course, the computer starts listing this uh, this list of captains, so they list um, Christopher Pike, they right. list Jonathan Archer, mm-hmm. they list uh, Matt Decker, who was in mm-hmm. the series, uh, they list Robert April, who's of course from the animated series, and they list... Right. And the book, yeah. And the book, and Philippa Giorgio, of course, uh, although apparently that list hadn't been updated. Um, and yeah, nice little little, little throwback for uh, people who are you know want this to fit into the continuity in nice, uh, organized form. At this point, theoretically, Captain Pike is uh, captain of the Enterprise although maybe just before he gets the Enterprise.
0: Right, so I guess Archer was the first captain of the Enterprise, because I know Robert April was the captain when Kirk was a cadet.
1: Right, so right. yeah, I mean, uh, the first the first Enterprise, the captain was Jonathan Archer. Oh, okay, and then Robert April would have come after him, right? Yeah, and it was a different Enterprise at that point, too, right? This, this oh, the been, B or whatever? Uh, I'm not sure what the naming structure is there. I'm sure there's some Trekkie throwing things at his uh, podcast. His voice now, <laughs> Yelling at his, his phone. It's clearly this serial number. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm, no, I, I think it's 1701. A was, stuff, but,
0: uh, a was the first one i believe in in uh, enterprise right so yeah although why would they know to name it a yes yes so hmm. don't pull those threads <laughs> come unraveled yeah. yeah so they end up on a particularly nasty pri- prison vessel i don't know why i put those two words together but there you go
1: particularly nasty it was particularly nasty uh, any place yeah. where choose your pain is the company motto uh yeah not go well for the people you're in a cell with
0: yeah that's an interesting an interesting way of doing that like the Whole, uh, you know, they won't to prevent them from bonding each other with each other. That's what they say. That you know, you get to pick whether you get the pain or the guy next to you gets the pain, and uh, that sort of you know builds up enemies uh, really quickly. I do want to ask though, and, and coming back to when they go back to the ship, and, and uh, Saru and um, Ku decide to go in and rescue the captain. Yep. Black alert. What is the black alert about? I mean, I know this is like the third or fourth time we've seen that, but we used to have red alert. That was supposed to be the highest alert that one could be in. Trek, but I guess black alert is, is I think black alert is supposed to
1: let them know that they are about to, uh, activate the spore drive. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Because clearly it is a completely different way of travel. I think I think it's supposed to give people, uh, the idea of, you know, Hey, this is going to go, going to go pear shape for a little bit. We're gonna The ship's going to start spinning around like a top and, and, uh, disapparating into, uh, it's funny now that I connect the dots there that they have the disapparating mm-hmm. ship halfway as the captain, but, um,
0: <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't jump into the boot
1: yeah exactly yeah yeah into the fireplace yeah um it, it is an interesting phenomenon and I, I i don't know they haven't really gotten into that i mean you know objectively if the ship starts spinning around like that people are turned into grape jelly because there's no way to prevent inertia from you know turning you into a well, smear on the wall but somehow it, it works is after all a
0: displacement activated spore hub drive
1: well uh, you know and not having studied that in high school uh, physics i think cl- clearly i I'll defer to their knowledge, but uh, it does seem like uh, like a, a pretty radical system. So I guess the idea is that when they go to Black Alert, if you're in an area that is uh, going to be uh, used for this, you know, spore drive, obviously you have to, you know, protect yourself or right, move yourself right. to a safe location. Uh, go to a battle station like you would for a Red Alert, you go to your Black Alert station.
0: I, and I 11, 11 in Star Wars world, you know, when, when, when the ship's about to do something really dangerous, the thing to do is sit in your chair and put both hands on the armrest and hang on. Yeah. Because like, that's gonna hold you in place, right? Yeah.
1: Just that line, <laughs> reach around behind yourself and kiss your butt goodbye. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. So yeah. we meet a new we meet a new character in the uh in the the prison that helps uh, escapes with uh, Lorca. Yeah. And um oh that, that's another spoiler. But um <laughs> Lieutenant Ash Taylor and he's originally from the USS Yeager, which of course Yeager is the guy who flew faster than the speed Chuck of sound. Yeah, absolutely. Jack Yeager. But um yeah, so so and I think he's gonna stick around too, because he comes back to the ship with them, right? And and now the Battle of the Binary Planets actually has a name of the Battle of the Binaries, they call it right. So,
1: Battle of the Binaries, yeah.
0: Right. So yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. So, so we got our first F bomb on this one, this episode. Two, two. two
1: F bombs. Two of them. Which was the first? I missed one. Like, uh, one was by our, our cadet, right? Yeah. So uh, first we hear her say uh, she says, This is so can I say the word? Am I allowed to say the word in your you podcast?
0: Can, don't say it because okay. we have to So explain.
1: she says, This is so in cool.
0: You can say f bomb or, or okay. Or,
1: she says this is so. So f bumming cool and then everybody stops and looks at her and then uh the chief engineer looks back at her and says no you're right cadet it is in cool oh right yes right uh so you know perhaps it tad extraneous in its uh usage i don't know I just it honestly felt like they could have just turned to the camera and winked at that point for my you know it just it's it seemed gratuitous uh you know this isn't your parents Star Trek we said the f forward twice, you know? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't Well, it doesn't shock me, but I'm sh- it shocked me from the point of view is, is I never would have expected to hear that in a Star Trek episode of any type, right? No,
1: no, yeah. no. And I remember you know, it was that same sensation uh, you know, of people from uh, my generation. Uh, Transformers the movie came out in, I think it was 1986 or 87, 86, I think. Um, oh, Shia LaBeouf? No, no, no. This is, I'm talking original animated. This oh, was. Animated. Uh, the original animated film came out and there was a great scene that we loved when we were, you know, 12-year-old boys, uh, where one of the main characters says S-H-I-T and mm. uh, it, it just, you know, we were like, in a cart in a transform cartoon this i said no this way. word. yeah you know and in that same you know slightly juvenile way when they started cussing on star trek it was just like uh, yeah you know I, I don't know who they're trying to t- titillate with use of that word now i know Data in one of the Star Trek movies says that same word, Mm -hmm, Uh, mm S-H-R-T. He says that when the ship starts to crash, I think, uh, Mm. in generations. In generations, he says it. Right, okay. Uh, So it's not the first time we've heard profanity in this world, but it's clearly the first time we've heard that escalated level of profanity. Um, And I think in... I want to say JJ Abrams' first Star Trek movie. I think at some point one of them says bull shit. Um, but no one no one's ever dropped an F bomb in Star Trek before. And yeah,
0: it's pretty it's, it's a it's a high bar or low bar.
1: <laughs> and it's just it's I think bar. it's another it's another thing. So here's here's somewhere I wanted to go on my look at this week's episode. And it comes back to and we'll we'll once again throw the spoiler alert out there if you haven't seen this episode we're, we're going to you know get into the muck here. Uh, so what did you make of Captain Lorca making the decision to leave Harry Mudd as a prisoner of the Klingons with
0: no way to escape. Well, it is Harry Mudd after all, right? And and I think that you know even in, in the two episodes that he dealt with uh, Captain Kirk, um,
1: Kirk was never super kind to him, right? Like in in that sense. But I don't think but there's a fine line between not being nice to him and leaving him on a Klingon prison. Yeah, trip.
0: I mean, leave it like the, the one episode where the Harry Mudd has the robot women and he uh, or the robot planet um, yeah. he Kirk makes. Uh, um his wife into a robot and has her chase him around but yeah yeah uh, she's yeah. particularly naggy or whatever but yes um but yeah y- y- t- I was I was actually surprised at that but I didn't really think too much about it because you know it is Harry Mudd after all he he will survive somehow it's,
1: it's true we know he we know that's the thing we can make the presumption that he lives because we've seen him ten years later oh yeah yeah, yeah for so sure yeah. it's it's not like we kn- we think at that point Lorca just left that guy to die because we know he lives you Fair know
0: enough. I didn't really think about that too long now you say that, you but know?
1: I found myself thinking, okay. There's two interpretations. One is that uh, we're supposed to infer from that that Lorca is a cutthroat. That that you know, Lorca is a bad guy. You know, I, I think we've been on to that. That you know, he's willing to right, you know yeah. imprison this Tardigrade. My ship, my, my
0: way, yeah. My
1: ship, my way. This is war, and I will do whatever it takes to end this war and to and win maybe, this
0: war. Win this to war.
1: win this absolutely. So so we can either infer from this that this this guy is not your Star Trek captain that you're used to. This this is clearly not a person who it's lives... a wartime captain, yeah, for sure. This is yeah. a wartime captain who says, you know what, this guy just tried to, you know, screw me and this guy over. Uh, you know, he can rot and die and I don't care. And and maybe that's what we're supposed to infer from this is that, you know, Lorca's a bad guy. And, you know, that le- lends itself to that whole Michael Burnham is the hero of the story. And, and of course, she's got this redemption arc. You know, she's already questioning, you know, the decision to have the tardigrade and use it the way they want to use it. Uh, the other, I guess, way to interpret this is, uh you know this is a cynical version of this star trek universe like that's a dark choice sure yeah yeah to have somebody left behind on a place where we have established that the klingons are torturing slash killing dozens and Lorca says himself you know at one point again we're still in the spoiler country here but he says i killed my entire crew of my last ship to avoid klingon torture for my crew yeah he's leaving this guy behind yeah so what he's saying is like i hate you so much for what you just tried to do to me and this other guy that i'm going to leave you to what i was willing to murder my ex crew to avoid that's right. that's a that's a bleak star trek choice like that's that's you you're, you're right this is not your you know grandfather's star trek like wow this is this has some dark choices mm-hmm. I, I don't know i i i'm just i i think i was just caught by both of those moves and you know I, at this point i'm choosing to view the the former not the latter i think the former is that we're supposed to infer from that that Lorca is just a you know guy not to be trifled with he is in war and right, he, right. he's not taking a chance he's not bringing Harry Mudd back with him because Harry Mudd can't be trusted and if he can't trust him then he'd rather this guy died being tortured to death than have him on his ship and mess up his plans to win this war
0: well see I kind of come at it from I I, I, th- I think the reason I mean and I, I didn't read into it that deeply because like I don't have that sixth sense that you have with plots right but um, is that sixth or six? sixth sixth sense yes yeah <laughs> But um, uh, like, uh, for those of you who don't know, I mean, Jonathan and I go to see a lot of movies and I'll turn to him halfway through the movie and I go, did you see that coming? He says, yeah, like an hour ago. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but anyway, so I kind of sort of saw him as, as well, the two of them have to like really work to get off this ship, right? And and Harry mm-hmm. Mudd would drag them behind, like he would he would be a pain in their, a thorn in their side, right? Um, so that's, pa- I think, part of the reason why he would have left them behind. The other reason is because clearly uh, Harry Mudd has a relationship with the Klingons already, so yeah, he, he's going to survive. I mean, like, I, I didn't see him being left to his death. I saw him being left to, like, he might get beat up a bit, you know, kind of thing. Or you know,
1: Yeah, and, and as we know, like I say, the, the, the cheat for Star Trek fans is we know Harry Mudd lives. So we right. know that he's right. not going to die. So Mark right. is instantly off the hook. We know that he's not, he might get beat up more. He'll find a way to survive. He's Harry Mudd. We've seen him in yeah. 10 years later, and he's got a fancy mustache, and he's fine.
0: And yet, you know, by the time he gets to the... The first time we see Harry Mudd, in the next, again, this is the whole sort of continuity problem that I have with going back and and doing prequels is and trying to fit them into these stories. Is Harry Mudd doesn't even know who the the Federation is when Kirk and Spock show up and he's got the 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 three uh, women for the miners, right?
1: Yeah. Well, maybe it was beaten out of him by the Klingons and maybe episode.
0: maybe they forgot. Yeah, maybe they maybe just a
1: couple mind. more blows to the head and he had completely yeah. lost what the Federation was. That's true. That's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So two things I want to talk about them. One that's not in the notes here, but one is, so So, um, Michael Burnham all the way through the story is trying to defend the tardigrade as, as, because she sees it getting weaker and weaker and weaker and to the point where yeah. it actually shuts down, right? And, and, and um, sort kind of like tries to rehabilitate itself by, by self healing and, and refusing to do what they need to do, right? Um, but she, uh, you know, and the guy sort of says that yeah, just throw some water on her, rehydrate it and get it going. Yeah. And, and that was uh, Saru that said that, right? But, um, which is kind of surprising, but uh, she she at the end of the episode she lets it go right she puts it out into yep. the universe and lets it lets it be free i mean so you know that's kind of like lucy with the with the conveyor belt of chocolates all i thought through that was lucy's going to get in such trouble you know <laughs> lucy you got some explaining to do right yeah but uh, but so now so michael burnham has got some explaining to do when they get back and find out that they can't use their their spore drive because their pilot or their the, the thing that gets them out of the jam is gone mind you i guess they can do short jumps right with the well,
1: i mean again, and it depends on how willing the chief engineer is to have himself. Uh, oh, right, that's right. That's full of the, holes yeah. too. Because Stamets, of course, uh, you know, for the final scene when they're trying to jump away from the Klingons, they've rescued Lorca and uh, and Taylor. Of course, they uh, they need. Saru tells them, "Like, Liz, are we ready to go? Let's go. Let's get out of here before we get shot up by the Klingons." And of course, they transport out of there using their spore drive, but it's not the tardigrade. It's Stamets hooked up to the machine. Right,
0: right. And he's ejected himself with their DNA, which is something you do every day, right? So- so, well,
1: uh, as you would, he always wanted. To, he says he always wanted to talk to mushrooms.
0: <laughs> right, right. So, okay. So that brings us to because my last point was the one that is in the notes is about uh, about the and again spoiler warning for people who haven't seen the episode. But at the very end of the episode, there's sort of a disconnect between Stamets and his mirror image in the yeah. mirror when, he, when they're brushing their teeth as you do, right? With yep. electronic toothbrushes that so they don't move around or whatever. But um,
1: the new waterless toothbrush. When, when was the last time you ever did that with your partner? by the way. I mean, it's, I, um, I, never. I, I thought that was a really, maybe, sweet... maybe university. I think, you know, because I, I thought university. it was a, a wonderful scene in that they had him there with the doctor. And we are supposed to understand that he and Wilson Cruz is uh Hugh, Hugh Colbert is the character's name. are um, partners, uh, husbands, uh, they don't really establish that, but they're, they're clearly together and they're clearly a couple. And again, great progressive thing. We're seeing this and they didn't feel the need to have them kiss to establish. I know. That they're gay. I know. This great. This is, this is so what we. I, well, sort part of me was going don't kiss don't kiss, don't kiss. i don't kiss. Kiss. was doing the same thing <laughs> but, don't then, but need to they didn't kiss. do it i'm like what the hell man <laughs> yeah I, they don't need to kiss for me to know that they're a couple i ju- it's just extraneous thank god they didn't go there kudos star trek for not going there we didn't need to see it it would have been absolutely ridiculous and pointless i'm so glad they didn't do that now that being said the whole time i kept thinking who brushes their teeth right next to their partner that's just weird
0: yeah i know i know exactly yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but the mirror thing, boy, that that was neat. Uh, you know, creepy, very unexpected moment. Uh, you know, immediately, of course, as a Star Trek fan, your mind goes to you know mirror universe, which right, is, course, right, mirror, a, mirror, yep, mirror, mirror, fantastic uh, ongoing storyline started in the original series and continued through, uh, of course, all the ones through this, the eighties and nineties. Uh, you know, so they, and,
0: wait, they did, they did that in Deep Space Nine. Nine. They had that whole mirror universe in Deep Space Nine, but because I guess they got bored with hanging around on the station, which was kind of a dumb plot to begin with. Yep. But um was it in the next generation or Voyager or Enterprise?
1: Uh I think it was. Let me just uh we'll do our real-time look here, but um okay. I think they did that in a few different cases here. Let's mm-hmm. see. Let's let's look it up on the fly here. I'm I'm almost sure they I I'm, I'm have a very deep memory of them doing it on on Voyager. I know they did it on Voyager. They did. Yeah. What was the story of the, or Voyager? What was the story there? I seem to recall Chakotay with uh like an eye patch or something at some point. Again, I haven't re I haven't <laughs> yeah. rewatched that. Well, he had long. that
0: tattoo thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I know they did it on Deep Space Nine because that that was a recurring thing and it was that was fun. Uh, oh,
0: that's right. Yeah, cuz cuz Ensign Rowe was the she was one of the rebellion Star Trek or Federation rebellion people who got thrown in jail. And so was Tom Paris, right? That's why yeah. she went and got Thomas Paris at the beginning of the story. Yeah. They never really went anywhere with that whole Tom Paris being one of those what were those evil doers called? I can't remember that. Oh, uh yes, the the rebels the the rebels uh oh, yeah. the alliance, I don't know.
1: No, they they had a name. Oh, Again, I feel like uh in order to to stick with this podcast, I'm going to go back and rewatch uh Four hundred episodes of Star Trek to get my game back on. It's been oh, a right. few years since I've. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, how much time do I have in the week? <laughs> so yeah, no. Apparently, they didn't do any TNG episodes. It was the original series. They did. Uh, they did two and um, Deep Space Nine. They did one, two, three, four, five. Enterprise. Wow. They did two and no, Voyager must have been something. I must be thinking of something else for Voyager. Maybe okay, that so was... what
0: two did they do in the original series? I, I, re- I remember Spock with the with Kirk with the killer machine and Spock lets them go or whatever. Ever, oh, know.
1: apparently it was they tied Tholian web. remember the Tholian web episode? Of course. Yeah, awesome. yeah. They tied that in with one of the books. They, apparently, that's that's. I'm just looking up the uh, our our good friends here at Wikipedia. So
0: did they mess up the Tholian? Have you seen the high res new new high res version of Tholian web? I haven't watched it yet.
1: Uh, as we established in one of my corrections uh, a few weeks ago, I own the original first right. DVD wave of uh, of Star Trek episodes. So they've been cleaned up and put on DVD for the first time, but they have not gone. back. And made any modifications, and I have officially boycotted the uh, remastered, whatever, re, uh, re- yeah, yeah. dream re- So are they, are they
0: are they four by three ones? proportion like they have? They are.
1: Them? They are four by three. As are my TNGs. As are uh, several of my other original. I have them all on DVD still. Um, you know, obviously the quality lacks a little bit at, at times, and the effects don't necessarily hold up quite as well. But uh, you know, I, again, I, this seems to be a recurring theme for this podcast. But uh, it like it's the truth. Is is that you know, sometimes you just want to see it the way you saw it so that you can enjoy yep. it the way you enjoyed it. And yep. when it comes to that TNG stuff and it comes down to Deep, Deep Space Nine it comes back to those original Star Trek episodes, I, I don't need bells and whistles. I want to remember it the way I remember it. So from for my money, uh, I, I don't really see myself upgrading any of those sets anytime soon uh, unless they're willing to do what they did with James Bond. Go back, do me a, re- a remaster and just do a frame-by-frame cleanup of exactly what you had and show me that again with right, you know, right. some of the dust specs taken off. I'm 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 ready for that, but in this case, uh, I like what I've got.
0: Yeah, oh, I forgot to get my for all my. Have you got my for Mo-
1: for all mankind Blu-ray? Mm, I don't think so. Mm. Mm. I am holding on to your copy of Solaris till at least uh, what are you now? You're uh, 57, so uh, Solaris 75, 75. So Solar is not the one you gave me, Solaris. No, it's um, what's the one that you said came out the year before start uh, before start Oh, Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. That's I, by, uh, I- uh,
0: It's by Jerry Anderson, the guy who who did the marionation stuff for um thunderbirds and things like that
1: yeah did you get that link i sent you by the way i sent you there uh they're doing more of those uh fine marionettes puppet show uh yeah
0: yeah yeah captain scarlet i want i had the vehicle but again that was that was me watching captain scarlet because thunderbirds wasn't on the air anymore i watched thunderbirds when i was when i lived in england right so that's the connection came from yeah
1: yep so you want to throw uh throw down on the orville or we uh yeah yeah let's let's
0: do we got to do the orville real quick it looks like because we're i don't know how long we've been going here for an hour and a bit anyway yeah um yeah so again the spoiler warning for so we're going to talk about the episode six the krill episode i mean sorry krill episode the krill the Krill-B-Q. <laughs> yes krill um yeah so it starts off with board can eat many things you know? <laughs> that was a very good scene that was very funny so that was sort of that was sort of meant to be the cold opener i guess like they do on yep. big bang theory yep uh just establish some humor or whatever so yeah it was kind of weird that this whole this whole uh setting up of the krill society as being on a holy crusade basically that that you know anybody who didn't believe what they believed was not fit to live or whatever and that was their whole um thing but and i guess in in a good way um what's our captain's name again ed ed what uh mercer mercer Mercer. captain mercer and the first command or captain mercer and what's his sidekick buddy name um gordon gordon they go and try and get a hold of this Ankana, which is you know they refer to it as their bible in the book which I, you know, I take offense with myself because, um, it, it's, it's their holy book, if you want to call it that. It's funny. I, I mentioned, I don't know if it was on this show or whatever, but I was in, I was in jury duty for a couple of, at the beginning of, uh, October, I guess. No, yeah. October. Um, and you know, I, 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 didn't get selected for jury, but we went into the courtroom and they actually had six books there. Right. Yeah. And you, you could, um, decide what, uh, you could decide whether you want to put your hand on your holy book and, and testify that, you would tell the truth based on your faith or yeah. you could just say that i will attest that i'm you know that you're not going to use uh, yeah you
1: can make an affirmation, I, uh, affirmation i've done jury duty
0: a couple times and i've uh yeah, that's the route that i've had to take yeah uh, so so uh, i'm I, I, so I, I really wanted to go up there and see what those six books were because it was the bible the quran i guess the Bahá'í gita or whatever for yeah, the, the talmud the talmud which is Tal, what's talmud that's uh, oh, uh jewish uh, i believe I, oh talmud right oh sorry sorry to, yeah and then so that's Four, or is that five? So we had Bible, Quran. What did I say? bahad Gita, um You said Talmud, right? Yep. And what were the other two? Uh, I, that's an excellent question.
1: The Al Ron Hubbard uh, companion. Oh, dianetics. There's got to be a copy of dianetics <laughs> in there. That just goes yeah. without saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in case you know, Tom Cruise is coming by to do some swearing on a holy book, he needs a copy of dianetics. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yep. I don't know. Old Testament and New Testament. In case you're. Yeah. You know, well, no. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Well, the yeah. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> which which version of the Bible? Maybe the Anglican Bible, like the King James Bible, and and the New Testament. Maybe I don't know. That's just weird. Uh, yeah, they have like a. Um, you know, we could Google that. We'll look it up later.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm that? just looking up holy books right now. There are apparently a lot. Uh, uh, oh, Satanic Bible, of course. The Anton Lavey uh, Satanic okay. Bible. That's got to be right. up there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess Oncana you know, must have been one of the other books up there for the Crow in case the Crow came into court,
1: right? Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So I put down what now? Question mark. Oh yes, I think it was Captain mercer at one point said what now what now yeah like when when somebody asked him a question and he said what now like um i oh it was i think when so yeah so they use their they have these little transporter or transformer devices i forget what they called them but allows them to sort of generate a mask for themselves to make yep. them look like krill yeah of course why would the krill carry that technology i don't get that or i have to go back and watch the episode but so anyway at one point in the conversation he is saying as as a krill person somebody asks him a question and he says what now like wouldn't that be a dead giveaway that this yeah. is the krill
1: yeah you know? yeah they, they don't do a really good job uh, i mean even uh, the conversation of course uh, ed and, and gordon have about you know what kind of weird names they must have where they're trying to figure out what they're going to name themselves and you know right. of course they come up with great lines like hagen das and they're trying to figure out how they could pick these exotic krill names and and uh, of course they pick <laughs> they pick chris and devon which <laughs> which makes for some good uh good humor these are unfamiliar names to us uh right yes and of course gordon cannot let go of the name of the the lord the sacred deity of the krill people hurts right uh, And he gets a series of car jokes yeah. a series of rental car jokes that just cannot you know he cannot resist the urge in spite of his captain saying stop it knock it off but uh but yeah very very funny stuff yeah so oh, avis sorry it's avis that's right avis, avis. is the god not hurts oh <laughs> avis <laughs> avis is the god and and hurts right. He just, of course, yeah. When they're they're talking about what God the humans worship, they worship hurts. That's the joke, that's right? It. I right. wrote that down and uh, I got them mixed up. But that's yeah, just just uh, you know, fish in a barrel, but a lot of fun.
0: So I made a comment here about space vampires, but I can't remember why I wrote that down.
1: Space vampires because they burn in the sunlight, apparently. Oh
0: yes, right. Yes. Yeah. Barbecue,
1: grill, so that, 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 oh, that was the solution
0: to them did. was was open up the windows and let the light in, right? Or turn the light up or we'll blast yeah. of you.
1: And 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 again, a nice little uh, you know, some people. Have made the argument, and you know, we can debate this. But some people are saying that uh, the Orville's doing a better job of, of Star Trekking than Star Trek at this point, really. So that's that's a good little Star Trek y, you know, little plot line. You got to say, yeah, the no, kids. no, it, it kids was it. innocent. You know, we, we got to stop these guys from nuking the humans, but we got to save the kids because kids are innocent. That's that's a very right. Star
0: Trek right. quandary, right? But but, but, but interesting that point that they make at the end there that, that these kids are going to grow up to real to resent you because you killed the parents, right? So, yeah,
1: yeah, which again is is that same you know uh, the moral quandaries of star trek I, you know you can make an argument at this point that uh, you know in spite of the you know non-stop run of testicle jokes and and uh, you know some of the other uh, you know stuff like mcfarlin isms it, they're doing a pretty good star trek impression this show that Star Trek feeling,
0: yeah, yeah, no, for sure, and and like so, like the uh, the um, the kids growing up to hate Kirk or to hate Mercer is is like uh, Botany Bay incident where you know he leaves the, the survivors con et cetera to, on yep. the planet, and then the, something happens, the sun goes nova or whatever, and then of course they grow up to resent Kirk for for abandoning them now on this, on this you know destitute planet, right? So
1: yeah,
0: yeah, uh, City Alpha Nine or Five Five yeah. City Alpha City Alpha. This-
1: The Alpha
0: Alpha Alpha Five, five. yes. It's just fun to say. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that was really Ricardo Montalban's chest? That was really Ricardo Montalban's chest. Yeah, that wasn't a prosthetic. It was actually his flesh and blood chest. That is a buff, buff dude. I know. He was like what
1: in his 60s when he did that, right? Yeah. Oh, he had to be up there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. That's amazing. amazing, I I always assumed that that was some sort of you know makeup prosthetic. No,
0: yeah, because he had like the necklace, right? So it looked like maybe it was. A, that's a body armor kind of thing. Yeah, no, that yeah, was really yeah. real flesh and blood chest. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Well, well done, Ricardo. That's that's yeah. that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, do you want do you want to? Uh, are we all finished with our Orville review this week? I, I thought it was a fun yeah. episode. Probably, it was, good. One it was, of the was fun a good episode they've yeah. done so far. Uh, yeah,
0: it was. It was more. It was the most Star Trekky episode. I, w- I will grant you that one for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, they, they hired all those guys who were playing Jem'Hadar's Hadars like ten years ago that were out of work. <laughs> <so> that was <laughs> they, nice of them. And you know, It's true. There and
0: yeah, but were they disguised as Jim? or were they weren't carrying those transformer packs that make you look like you know yeah. those shields or whatever yeah all right all right so let's talk about our pick so um. oh yeah are we, are we gonna have time to dig into this one now that we've wasted all this time Anyway, so one of the things, one of the picks I put on here was, and it had more to do with, with Jaime, we were, we were chatting through the week and I was watching, um, uh, I think space, uh, inner space, which is a show on, on space channel here that does sort of their magazine show about what's coming up and up and coming in sci-fi and gaming and, and, uh, that kind of stuff, comic books. Yep. Um, they did, uh, a episode where it was all about the convention. So, you know, um, AJ, is it AJ Fry? AJ Fry went down to the game of uh, the, uh, the three, what's the E3? Yep. For and he went down to uh, San Diego for Comic Con. Uh, I think I think uh, Teddy's been running around doing the, the big train series, which is kind of cool, kind of Sheldon esque. Yeah. But um, at one point, they were interviewing a guy who who's they said was Captain Kirk, and I thought, oh, spoiler! This is gonna be this is gonna be Captain Kirk on on the new show because somebody sort of had said that Kirk was going to appear at some point on the show. Maybe it was you. I'm not sure. But so I looked this guy up, and and now I can't remember his name. But apparently, he is there. Actually, there actually is a show a TV show, or sorry, a show called, and it's on the internet, called Star Trek Continues. And it's done, it's filmed in the same style as the original series, right? They wear the same uniforms, they have characters, you know, they have a Spock character, they have a McCoy character, they have a Scotty character, they have an Uhura, they have a Kirk, obviously, and, and this the gentleman, I can't remember his name right now, but I will click on the cast button here on this website, and it'll tell Vig Mignolia. Vig, Vig, Mignolia, yeah, I'm going to go with Mignolia, Mign- Mignola, Mign- Noina, I don't know Vic, but anyway, yeah. he's one of the writers of the series, right? As well. Oh, and Greg Eir from uh, MythBusters plays the Sulu character, right? Hmm. So, yeah, I watched a bit of uh, one of the first episodes, and it's, it's you know, it, if you can get past the fact that these isn't this isn't the right actors, it does have that same sort of sensibility of how the you know the pacing of the show. you don't quite do the William Shatner kind <laughs> of talk, you know, but but they they come pretty close, and and uh, but that's actually pretty good, and and uh, it's been on for. A number of years, it's been produced for a number of years, I guess. They've got, let me see here, they've got episode 10 is coming out soon why would episode 10 be called to bold to go yeah it's been it's been on for a number of years I looked at I think 2013 is when it started mm. had have
1: you, have you ever heard of this no I knew that there was a few sort of fan projects that were that were doing Star Trek projects for a few years but I must admit I, I have not had the uh, appetite to go hunt them all down and I know there's been obviously a kerfuffle over a few of them uh, whether or not uh, CBS would let them continue down those roads right, as to, right. whether they were allowed to uh, represent that one World, but uh, but no, I've never actually gone down and, and sat down and watched any of those.
0: Oh, interesting! Star Trek continues incorporated is a non-profit organization, huh? So maybe that's how they're allowed to, uh, yeah, because they're not they're not making money that, off this. Cool, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thing. I, was, I think people should check it out. It's it's actually not too bad. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, need, need to put, I, I mean, I know. I, I mean, fans can let us know if they know anything about it more than we do. But uh, hashtag, hashtag there's a whole website.
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> yes, hashtag ask podcast. Let us know what you. Think right, so yep. yeah, yeah, definitely. does say here at the top in the disclaimer above, above everything else, it says you know Star Trek and all related marks, logos, characters are solely owned by CBS Studios Incorporated.
1: Yep. yeah, they they're pretty strong about uh, protecting that, but uh, but there's so much passion from the fans, and there's been such a gap in that world. Uh, I'm not not including, of course, the uh, the Kelvin timeline movies that are in the theaters, but uh, we haven't seen Star Trek on TV for a long time. So I know there was an appetite to go back and, and keep that world alive, especially as it was getting towards that 50th anniversary. I think. People were right. Right, we're feeling that appetite to keep the keep the spirit alive. I wonder. I must. Uh, I must delve deeper into social media. I, I do like to uh, to wander around the fringes of social media and see how people are reacting to some of these uh, things. I haven't really gotten too far into how people are reacting about uh, Discovery, but I wonder how that's how that's doing with people because it is uh, a much darker uh, take, I think, on on Star Trek than we've seen previously.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got to say that. about this, this, just to finish off on the Star Trek continues. It, it the set looks. Identical to the original set, so it's kind of like you know how they get these R two D two builders or the the Doctor yeah. Who builders who build the Daleks and stuff like that. So obviously, some real fans have gone in and uh, oh, it's a funny thing about the first the first episode they they uh, they beam aboard this this old couple and the old guy is Apollo and it's actually the guy who played Apollo on the original series. <laughs> yeah, That's so, funny. yeah, it's kind of cool, but he's like an old guy now, right? Uh, anyway, um, yeah, the, so it's like they've the, the, I guess the fan have gone and made this these amazing sets and and uh, you know the costumes look legit and you know like kind of stuff so it's a really really interesting looking looking uh, redo even the engineering section I'm just looking at some of the slides images going by the six eight everything looks the same as as uh, the original series so cool I will definitely keep uh, check that one out check it out yeah so um, let's come back to let's come back to uh, the uh, trailer if we have time let's let's what's your pick for this week
1: my pick for this week is a uh, new comic uh, as I've been uh, done into the the world of comics uh, a little more earnestly again trying to find some good selections for uh, our listening audience uh a new book from image comics called maestros uh steve scroche Skro- scroche scroche s-k-r-o-c-e uh is canadian uh who is uh he's been a comic creator for a long time he also uh very uh infamously for comic fans was the storyboard artist for the matrix oh <laughs> really yeah and he uh made his return to comics he's been doing storyboarding for a lot of hollywood projects and different things uh he made his return to comics uh, a couple of years ago um, with uh, a great book that he did called we stand on guard with um uh brian k vaughn who's one of my favorite uh, comic writers that was about uh w- 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 set in the future and it's when the americans inevitably invade canada right uh, right and on guard it was a really fun little uh, mini series but it was really exciting because it was nice to see him getting back into this uh this format again because he's a very very talented artist uh, did a lot of work during the '90s for Marvel uh, X Men uh, X Man specifically uh, drawing that book and uh, and very popular uh, and then of course uh, you know a lot more lot more pay if you move into the world of uh, Hollywood I'm sure so uh, so he did that for a long time but uh, but his new book Maestros is really good um, it's basically about uh, it it plays on some of the tropes uh, of of science fiction and fantasy it's about a, a guy named Will who uh, is was a little boy. He was raised by his mom. He finds out that his dad was essentially God. Uh, he was a wizard, an all-powerful wizard who helped create the universe. Uh, the story establishes that his father and his entire extended family has been killed, and he's been called back to this world that his father is from, uh, that he had created, uh, where there is uh, this monstrous villain named Marduk who is, has, you know, uh, risen up and and uh, is killing, has killed all of his family, and of course now is coming for him, and he's on Earth, uh, working as a bit of a huckster he's selling magic potions that uh, uh increase penis size and and have these you know nefarious effects he's selling these to uh you know try and get by using his magic spells for you know as as hucksterism basically um and so we get a little look into his backstory we meet his mother we find out about how he learned about his powers and uh and then we get set up for going back to this uh this world where He is, uh, he's now apparently the heir to the throne and, uh, and is also, uh, you know, on the precipice of, of civil war. And, uh, again, really, really fun stuff, beautiful art. I mean, this, this man is, uh, just an an outstanding sequential storyteller. Um, and it's written and illustrated by him. And, uh, number one is just hitting the stands. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend giving it a look. It's, uh, it's definitely for mature readers. It's a little gory. It's a little, uh, well, there's, there's definitely some sexuality elements to it obviously uh growing erections and things like that but um it's uh it's an absolutely entertaining read and uh, i'm looking forward to the next few issues to see where the story goes cool
0: all right yeah, so let's let's leave the Star Trek thing till or Star Wars thing till next next week.
1: Yeah, we have to uh, get into the extremely obvious naming structure of the new Star Wars uh, uh, expanded universe movie, the Solo that just that, <sighs> wow. I mean, Man. you know, really? I just oh, yeah, oh can I, I do it. one more pick? Can I do? I got I got one more pick. Sure. What is that Solo? <laughs> solo. No. uh yeah. Ron Howard's Instagram feed. I recommend highly. You check oh, it. really? Yeah. No, I I mean it's fantastic, and I do recommend people go there. But no, I, my my. my pick would definitely be uh, Star Wars Rebels is back uh, as of this Monday. Uh, okay. First two episodes of the final, fourth and final season just came on the air. Um, final season? Fourth and final season. They've announced this is the last season they're going to do of it. They had the sort of specific uh, arc that they wanted oh, to yeah. tell. They're getting closer and closer to where we would have joined the Rebel forces uh, towards the uh, the original uh, episode four. Mm. And uh, so they're, they're going to wrap it up with a nice bow this year. They get to go out the way they want to go out and... Uh, uh, and for those of us who have been watching all along, it's it's going to be an exciting season. They really are uh, amping up to a very familiar universe. We're starting to see more familiar characters, ships, locations. Uh, Darth Vader was a primary character in season three. He was one of the, you know, the looming big bads. Sure. And, uh, and last season brought us an, another bunch of great Easter eggs. Uh, you know, we, we saw some more characters from the original series, including a few iconic ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm personally really excited about the return of that and looking forward to uh, so so
0: this is this so so there was rebel and this is by that guy Dave Filoni that guy with the hat yes that guy, guy with guy the hat yeah from WWDC. Yep. but um, but um so before there was clone wars right there was clone wars yeah and clone wars was what before the last of the movies
1: like clone wars is set between episodes uh 2 and 3 right 2 and 3 yes so basically, the events of Clone Wars are are wrapped up um, uh, during that that time span. So we're supposed to get a sort of gauge of the depths of that war uh, that actually happens between the the Trade Federation and the um, the uh, Galactic Not Empire yet,
0: right? And so so and Rebels fits between Episode three and Episode four, is that right? Or, uh, yes. or, or it, Rogue One or it, whatever?
1: It is actually would have been just before Rogue One and just before Episode four. So we, we sort of start out maybe. A couple of years before, and now we're getting closer to. You know, we are seeing some overlap. Of course, there were some excellent little teasers in there for those of us who like Rebels. There was a few little teasers in uh, in Rogue One. They mention uh, Hera Syndulla, who is of course the captain of uh, of the Ghost uh, on uh, on Rebels. Gets a call out at one point. They mention her name over the PA system in the hangar uh, base on the moon of Yavin. And uh, we see Chopper at one point strolls by, which is fantastic. Um, and if you, the those blink-if-you-miss-it episode uh, or so episodes, one of those blink-or-miss-it or moments, we actually see uh, the ghost and the assemblage of ships in, in Rogue One, which is, uh, again, a nice little Easter egg for those of us who have been uh, following along for the last three seasons on uh, on Rebels. Mm-hmm. So so we're, we're catching up. We're getting there.
0: Interesting stuff. Yeah, I'll have to, uh, I, I think I watched, like, the first bits of Clone Wars and never really got back into it, but... Uh...
1: Well, you know where you can find a copy of Blu-ray, a copy on Blu-ray yeah. of, of all the Clone World wars and the rebels I'm i think i right. i think i
0: actually have something here with yoda on the side of it um am i sitting in front of my tv waiting to be put into a some sort of player or some
1: type yeah yeah waiting for that what's that called again oh spare time that's right i was oh. looking for that spare yeah. time the, the elusive something elusive, elusive. as, uh, as
0: yes. a, Ewan mcgregor says in the first movie spare, spare time. time
1: spare time
0: Yep. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, Hey, um, Jonathan, if people want to get a hold of you on interwebs, interwebs,
1: where would they look? Uh, you can always find me, at, uh, on Twitter at, at JPK news, JPK, N E W S or, uh, JPK Comics.com. All right. And, and so
0: what is happening with JPK comics? Have you used to be, does the blood surge into your veins and you're ready to dive in again? Or
1: speaking of spare time, uh, oh, right. <laughs> the site is a tad, uh, poorly maintained. There are, for those people who are interested, there are, uh, almost a thousand different things I've written about pop culture, comic book, wow. science yeah. fiction, uh, interviews with some of your favorite creators like Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore, Stan Lee. Uh, I was of course, a uh, pop culture journalist for a long time. So I've, I've had an opportunity to meet some of these great people and talk to them. There's, I think, uh, uh, 30 or 40 different interviews I've done with different authors, Canadian, uh, creators like Seth and, uh, and it's really some really fun stuff that I'm very proud of, uh, along with reviews of some books, uh, some of my picks for top books of the year, all mixed in there. Uh, um, I, I do have an appetite, I must say. I, I have been enjoying the opportunity to have this uh, little, little platform you've given me to uh, to do a weekly pick, and maybe I'll uh, be able to spin that into uh, doing a little more content for there sometime in the near future. You'll have
0: to have you on roundabout to talk about your your whole uh, comic reviewer arc, game reviewer arc, and then your days as a journalist professionally. And
1: yeah, there, there was in a lot of fun stories yeah. in there. I was very fortunate that I got a chance to uh, you know do a little bit of uh, video game work, some lots and lots of comic work, uh, pop culture. I got to go out to uh, Hollywood. I got to go out to some of the great studios uh, here in North America and meet uh, some of the creators behind some of your favorite video games. Uh, you know, uh, interview famous celebrities regarding some of their work and uh, and uh, live to tell the tale. So,
0: yep, cool. All right, and as I said, as I always say at the top of the show, my name is Timitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter Machine. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And so, I guess until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: bye 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 bye.
0: If you want to find out more about the podcast or see episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spockcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount on patreon.com slash You can find out details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. episode goes out to our friend Gord, the Gord father. Yeah, Gord, RP Gord. Yep. All right. So, um, yeah, let's just,
1: uh, dig in. Are we going right. to do our, uh, check check or? Yeah. 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 yeah that, that stuff you want to do? The, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. To three- you do your, your fine intro and everything. Yeah. I don't want to feel yeah. like I'm any short no, no. the
0: experience here. No, no, we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. You know, I have a, like, see, here's the thing. I just upgraded my um, Bell service twice to to the Bell 5 thing. So in the late summer, I upgraded to the next level of service, which, you know, because I was having some issues with it and whatever. I can't remember why, but I upgraded it. And then I was looking online, and I saw that you know for I was paying eighty nine dollars, and then I was paying an extra thirty dollars for unlimited bandwidth because because my bandwidth all like Carol and I you know we're we're out of the house. I'm sure the dog and the cat were going online and like looking at cat pictures and stuff, right? Because yeah, I mean, because of mice of, and bones, gigabytes of data was being served from our house here for some reason, right? Or I mean you know whatever sent and received and all that kind of stuff, right? Which like makes no sense. I mean I do leave my computers on and I run a backup server and stuff like that, so that could explain it, but. Um, so anyway, I looked online and I, and I saw for $99, I could get twice the internet speed quote, quote, air quotes here. Right. And unlimited bandwidth. And I sort of called up Bell and I said, Hey, why you, why am I paying you $120 a month when I could be paying you $99 a month for the same and better service? Yeah. And they went, yeah, you know, you're right. We should do that for you. Right. Of course that gives them the, the, the lead in that they can get me to sell me on five TV, which is not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, cause I remember when I got, when I first got the five thing, they said, okay, we're going to give you this modem here, but you won't be able to use it for 5TV because, you know, 5TV is not as fast as this modem and blah, 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 right? Long story short, so... So they, they didn't, they kind of, they outsold themselves the last time. <laughs> I, mean, I get this thing in and you know, the, the guy's here and he, he runs a new fiber cable into my house. I have a fiber cable coming into my house now, right? Which used to cost thousands and thousands of dollars to, to put into people's houses. And ironically, right? So here we are in like 2017 and they, they, the guy, so the, I did a speed test while the guy was still here and I was getting like 160, you know, megabits per second, which is like phenomenal, right? Yeah, like that's crazy. Five times, 10 times faster than I was getting before, maybe not, maybe five times but um and then like lately sometimes i you know i check it and it's like 16 or it's 25 or it's 30 i expect to get like you know 25 30 is kind of sort of what i was getting before but yeah like why sometimes do i get 16 kilobits or megabits per second it's like what is up with that right yeah so and and they say they don't throttle the uh the network right so which i i seriously seriously don't believe like
1: well yeah, I, we, i'm sure i'm 100 percent sure that rogers does the task the boys will complain rogers constantly yeah. about you know delays and slowdowns and stuff. And uh, there's like, yeah, it can't, it can't be demand on the system. This is really Yeah, hard. yeah.
0: It's ironically though, whenever I upload stuff, like I upload, you know, shows and, you know, FTP files and thing, apps to the app store, they go up like screaming fast, but it's coming down is the problem. And so like, like yesterday when I, and we'll talk about the Gran Turismo in a bit too, we should get into that too. But, um you know, I, okay. So I, I pre-order Gran Turismo, the steel box, so I get like, the, you know, the million dollar credit and some fancy car, which I haven't signed up and downloaded yet or whatever but um you know and i put the disc in you know it's put the 80 dollars disc into the machine you know go to hit play and it's like oh we need to do a network update i'm like okay and but so i kind of skipped that and played a few you know, ran a few, a few times around the track did a couple of licenses and stuff like that and then i came back to it and i went okay well what's the deal with the with the download and it's like yeah we got to do this network update for you to be able to do to play online and check out the online content you can't say here's the thing you cannot save the game unless you log into playstation network wow that's- let me say that again. You cannot save the game unless you <laughs> log into, because that wasn't clear the first time, right? WTF, right? So, especially for me, like how often do I turn my place? You
1: like save on? this game for the low price
0: of $60 a year? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, so so that's the first, well, no, that's not, the, that's not the PlayStation Plus thing. That's just, you You have to be logged in. So, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but John, or so the two kids who each of them have an account on our, our machine here, mm-hmm. don't go on the internet with PlayStation. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Like they use my account if they want to do it, but you know, they generally don't, we never bothered setting it up or, or they use your account if, if they do it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but um, just, just so you know, <laughs> when you get that big giant visa bill, you'll know why. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, um, so then I, so I, I I go, okay, I play, I play the update. I'm really good. At, you know, my, my, the game that I get the most points for and most awards for is updating the system. I'm really good at that. Right. <laughs> it seems like, you know, I play my PlayStation once every six months and every single time I plug the turn that stupid thing on it. So I got to wait for some stupid update, right? Anyway, so here I am with the screaming fast internet, which sometimes is fast and sometimes is slow. And I get in there and it says it wants to download a 12 gigabyte file, right? And it's going to take three hours, (laughs) right? So, you know, basically, you know, toss the, toss the controller and go back to watching cable TV for, you know, several hours, right? Nice. You know, and and of course with the up and down internet, you never know how long it's going to take. So, I mean, that's, that's the first screaming. That's the first thing that I'm screaming about. Well, let let me continue the story now since I said I would talk about it anyway. So, so I get in there and I'm like, okay, I, you know, do a couple of, I finish the first license and I get myself a couple of cars and I go and do some other training things. I get myself a couple more cars and, you know, I've got myself up to level five. Right. And then I thought, oh, well, let me, let me go online and see what this online racing about is about. And it's like, the first thing it says to me is you have to have a PlayStation plus account to play online. And a friend of mine had said to me, don't download Battlefront 2, or if your grandkids want to get Battlefront 2, dissuade them from that, because you cannot do anything on that one without a PlayStation plus account. Right. So anyway, so here's Gran Turismo. You know, brand new Gran Turismo Sport just came out yesterday, um, arrived at my door as promised, but they, I cannot play against other people online unless I sign up for a PlayStation Plus account, which, you know, when you consider i probably turn my PlayStation on once every three months, why would I pay for anything online, right? Um, yeah,
1: but by that same argument, why would you buy a brand new game that costs $90? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean,
0: I, in this case, I buy it because of the title, right? Because, you know, the, that's the, the only reason I have a PlayStation is to play Gran Turismo, seriously, right? Yeah. In my case, uh, that and Tomb Raider. But, um, so yeah, so, so I, I look at the thing and it's like, I think it's like tr- a trial is like two days or two weeks or something, right? Try it for free. And I'm like, okay, well, l- let me buy it, buy it, get into that. So I, I push the button for the free trial or whatever. And I, and I go in there and I think I made up a bogus email address and signed up like a real bogus e- like email address, a throwaway one that I have. Right. Yeah. And, and I, pl- and I go online and I, and I go to join a race. Right. And, um, it says the next race starts in 40 minutes. I mean that's exciting, right? I get to wait forty minutes while the screen loads for me to play this stupid game. Oh, they'll email me when the race is ready if I want, right? What? Like, WTF again? So, you know, so so anyway, I I go back and I I look around, and there's another race that's starting in a few minutes, right? So there's four guys in this race, and so I I join the race. I'm there with my, you know, my the car I got for free from from PlayStation. Like, like the game's been out like how many hours has it been out, right? And I'm there with my Audi TT, which is what you get as your first car, right? And I haven't touched it i haven't like souped it up or whatever so I go to I go to uh, I go to join this race and I get in there and there's like two guys with like million dollar you know um, like f1 style cars all souped with custom paint jobs and all souped up and whatever and uh, some other guy the other guy had like a like a fairing or something on his car like it was it was jacked up or whatever right and we're driving on the the oval track because that's the only tra- the only race that I could get into like you know in a few minutes to try it out right and I'm telling you like it, what a waste of time like you know as soon as you put your foot on the gas those guys are are gone, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, the only reason they have this, they, they go and get themselves like a million dollar car and then they just want to kick people's ass all night long, right? Like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, and then and I, and I cannot figure out how the hell do you get out of PlayStation Plus? You know, so the, so the next game I want to play is let's cancel the, game, the PlayStation Plus thing. Sure. There is nowhere in the interface that I could find to cancel PlayStation Plus. Yeah, it's like the Godfather 3.
1: Once you get out, once you, think yeah, they you get out, they dragging you, back, you back, in. back in. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I think, oh, I think I, PlayStation business model. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't get it. I mean, like,
0: I, I I know the kids are totally into this stuff, and like, that's their life and whatever. And you know, to be honest with you, if I if I didn't have a thousand other things to do at night, like podcast development and production and stuff, and and you know, app development and things, you know, I might, I, I mind you, I did play play I did play Gran Turismo for like a good you know couple of hours last night. That's that's how much I like the game, right? You know, but still, I, I'm like, I'm tempted to call Amazon back and say, hey, what's your what's your refund policy on this game? Because I'm just I'm not paying. Like, was it, $60 a year, you said? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, that, that's not bad. But still, like, I'm not going to play it every freaking day, right? So I'm not going to play it every month. So why would I bother, you know? The, the, like, this whole, this whole, I, I've complained about this on the other podcast all the time, but this death by a thousand cuts, or my friend Greg calls it, you know, subscription fatigue. You're just like, how many how many times can you pay $5 a month for one thing after another, after another? Eventually, you're paying hundreds of dollars per month for, for nothing, right? Yep,
1: you know? well, honestly, Honestly, if I didn't have, you know, two teenage-ish sons, I it wouldn't be worth it. it, it I mean, I, I think that, you know, because we have an Xbox account and we have a PlayStation account, I like the PlayStation stuff because it's nice. to it give you access to some games and stuff. And, you know, you can do some extra little things and stuff like that in some of the games. But uh, but yeah, I just, I'm not sure that it's worth the money for somebody who's got a full-time job and a part-time job on top of that and everything else. It's it's just... Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's it's a time suck to begin with already, yeah. right? Yeah. Mind you, when it, now that being said, in the same way that you play Gran Turismo, I play Uncharted and I play uh everybody's golf and I play, you know, some of those those Sony, you know, exclusive titles that are amazing. And when they come out, I play them and I play them and I play them and then I put them on a shelf and I don't play them again for a while. So, uh, you know, if, if what you're paying for is like a plus on top of those games, which you love and you will play, then I guess you have to decide whether that's, you know, factored into the cost. But the problem is, you know, it's $90 for a game, Canadian dollars now. Now, throw another sixty dollars on top of that. You know, you only play one or two games a year. It's awfully hard to make that commitment.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I figure I paid ninety dollars. I should be able to play the game. Like, that's that's kind of. Mo- I, I realize that's an old person talking here, right? But
1: yeah, that only works if you still buy them by the cartridge. Uh, the last game that I played earnestly. Now that I, I've been playing Everybody's Golf, which is the Japanese title of traditional, what is North America Hot Shots Golf. Which, oh, right, right, As you right. know, okay. I was, and I have always been a large fan of. They just put out a PS4 version. first PS4 uh, Hot Shots Everybody's Golf game. So, I've been playing that, and luckily both my sons have adopted that too, so it's become <laughs> a family game, which is really fun. Uh, But, the first, the last game that I really played, in, and it's a cartoony game, so there's only so much you can do. It looks fantastic, but it's, it's a cartoon. The last game that I played that really took advantage was the most recent Uncharted game, and it is is it's breathtaking it's it's breathtaking it's like playing a film it's it's so detailed it's so well done um you know and i think like okay you know there's they're still going to keep getting better at this it's it's remarkable that you, that they're going to keep getting better at this yeah it's funny that the
0: the gran turismo i mean it's amazing like like it's like you said it's like compared to what i mean i we have the uh so i took our playstation 2 up to the cottage and we have the old playstation i think sorry sort of gran turismo 4 i think up yeah. there right and it's all blocky and what and i, I looked at it last time i was there and it was like how did how did we play this? I mean, I remember it was low like low res graphics, but I didn't think it was that bad. You know, on the old CRT TV that's up there. But yeah, this this the admittedly the 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 graphics on this thing is phenomenal. Like they even have you you spend five minutes tuning your television before they'll even let you play the game, sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but ironically, like as soon as you plug it in, it's like, oh, this is an HDR TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> like no. already you suck your TV sucks, but we'll, okay, we'll let you play with it. But this you know this tv you spent like you know hundreds of dollars last year top of the line you know udh or uh, uhd
1: samsung tv um you know it blows right <laughs> yeah yeah you know don't worry it, i know that my uh, 1080p tv blows because my 14 year old tells me constantly oh yeah i can imagine oh that. Yeah. you know this thing is totally. 4k yeah exactly yeah. yeah okay okay yeah yeah I if i wait you. long enough it'll be 8k leave me alone well i mean and it's funny though so like
0: you know as we as you know i got the playstation 4 here right well yep. and like, like I said before, like I said, I only play Gran Turismo. Really, that's seriously the only game I want to play on this thing, right? And and how long have I been waiting for play, for Gran Turismo Four to come out, or for, play, for Gran Turismo Sport to come out for the PlayStation Four? Like what, a year almost? Yeah, well, more than that probably. Yeah, I've I've actually thought I still have my grand, my my three here. I've actually thought you know I'll go plug the three in and play Gran Turismo for a couple of hours. You know, like yeah, yeah, like it's almost come to that, right? Yeah, <sighs> I don't know, I don't know why we give these people our money. I really don't
1: because <laughs> they make beautiful games, beautiful.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, i guess movie. i guess yeah yeah i don't know well
1: here's like... a new uh, arkham game comes out and i have to play it and a new uncharted game comes out and i have to play it and if i'm really lucky every six or seven years they make a new hot shots slash everybody's golf game and that i really have to play so really ain't that bad eh uh i don't know what it is about that since the first is the original playstation that's just been my favorite game and i know some other guys from my years of, of you know covering gaming professionally slash amateurly uh that it, it's a game that just gets in people's blood. I don't know what it is about that game. They've just made it so fun to play golf. I can't stand real golf games, PGA games or anything, but that game is just so much fun to play. I could play it for hours. Yeah. See, I just don't get that. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's, it's completely inexplicable. I'm not a huge golf fan. I'm not, I don't play golf, but boy, I could play that game till my eyes roll back into my head. Uh, I, it's just so much fun.